Uh, well, we are, we are continuing our life hacks study in Proverbs. We're actually concluding uh, this series this month. So this is the final topic we're going to uh, consider uh, out of Proverbs for now. Uh, I was listening to, there, there's, a, there's a podcast I like to listen to every now and then. It's called The Moth. And uh, it's really interesting. It, it's basically just people telling stories. They have these events that happen all around the, the nation. And, and the only parameters are uh, you have to get up there, you have no notes, and it has to be something that you experienced that happened to you, and you tell your story. And it's like 10 or 15 minutes. So this podcast collects together uh, different stories from different moth events. Some of them are like celebrities and comedians telling them. Some of them, actually, I've, I've had uh, students from uh, Grace King High School have showed up on the Moth uh, podcast because they do local events and high schools. They teach people how to, how to tell a good story. And, and by the way, that, that's a good discipline because as God's people, stories matter. Uh, God's story matters and the stories of our lives matter. So we want to learn how to tell a good story. Uh, that's, a, that's a good discipline. But one of, the, uh, one of the ones I listened to recently, it just was this unreal string of events, right? There's, it was this married couple, this family, and the husband decides he wants to go into like uh, some alternative uh, organic farming or something like that, and, and his wife turns to him and says, but you don't, you don't cut the grass, you know? Why do you think you can let tomatoes survive? And so they kind of come up with this compromise. Rather than buying all this land and moving somewhere else, they, they, they're in New Hampshire, so they, they buy some land in southern New Hampshire, and they, they, they begin to work the land over there, but they, they started to, and it was just this beautiful land, um, but they started to notice some strange things happening. Uh, they stood out uh, on, the, on the creek, and, and there was this kind of glow emanating from the water. Not really sure what that was about, right? And then, and then their dogs began to just lose significant amount of hair, right? They were just shedding and shedding, losing their hair. The, the children were having strange feelings. The mom uh, cut herself and got this nasty infection that just uh, they were throwing whatever they could, antibiotics after it, and it wasn't going away. And so they just were trying to figure out what's going on. So she, she begins poking around in the perimeter of the land, and, 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 and she notices the grass kind of just like peels up and, and, and underneath it was insulation, like, you know, like insulation you stuff in your attic. And then, and then elsewhere, there, there was broken glass. They found antifreeze bottles. They found uh, toilet seats. Actually, altogether, they found 10,000 tons of debris on their land. And they, they discovered that there was this guy who for years had been using it as an illegal dumping site and then just had covered over it with the growth and you, you didn't see all that was, that was there. And so they, they go to the, the, I think the city or whatever county uh, government to try to figure out, hey, what do we do with this? They turn around and sue them for $1.5 million for owning this illegal toxic dumping site. Uh, so then they try to figure out, okay, if we're not going to, you know, we don't want to get sued, so we got to get rid of all this waste somehow. And they, they talked to some people who, who could, you know, take away 10,000 tons of debris. Uh, that comes to be about the tune of $1.5 million to remove all of that, right? Well, they end up, they end up threatening to sue. They, they come to an agreement with the previous owner. And, and, and they, they actually buy a, uh, they, they buy this, this, this 
excavator, right? Uh, and, and, and they say, all right, we're going to, if you'll take back all your junk, we won't sue you for $1.5 million. And he says, all right. So then they just work on weekends and, and, and just dump it all back on, on his property, and then it becomes his problem to have to deal with there. But uh, there, there's a principle there that that's at work in a lot in life, and hopefully not that uh, disastrous. But uh, often something can seem desirous. It, it can seem profitable. It can seem like it's a, it's a good opportunity. But there's more beneath the surface. There's more to, to, to take a look around before, you know, before you buy that land. Open up the ground and see, is, is, is there antifreeze bottles hanging out there, right? Uh, and, and this is what requires wisdom, because we, we've been going through different topics in this series, and, and realizing this is a good world, this is a world God made, there's potential in this world, but it's fallen. It's cursed. There's a lot of dangerous junk in there as well. And so we want to know God's principles and be informed by them in, in whatever we venture into, right? This is a thought from the ESV Study Bible. It says, the essential point is that God has built the principles of wisdom into the structure of the world itself, Wisdom is the ordering principle by which everything functions and does not devolve into chaos. Thus, when one lives without integrity, one violates the very rules whereby everything is held together. One cannot do this and thrive. Right? We ignore God's wisdom to our detriment. But there's a, there's a phrase right there I want, I want to capture us, right? When when one lives without integrity, right? Integrity, it, it's, it's a word, it's a good word. It's a good vocabulary word for you to have in your life right now. It has to do with honesty, but, but it also has to do with living a life that's, that's integrated. It's together. It's not compartmentalized into different containers and different pieces. And, and, and this is... This is tempting for any Christian to do and for Christian teenagers to do in particular. And honestly, it's more and more challenging today in the way that information comes into our lives and, and forms our viewpoints on, on things. Um, you, can, you can live a very segmented Christianity. We're not integrating your Christian convictions into the rest of life. Right? For you, is, is Christianity... Does that just touch things like how you get saved and the fact that you go to church, right? It, those kinds of things, or, or does it influence how you how you see things like entertainment and friendship and dating and all the other stuff of life that enters your world? Because because the thing is, you you're gonna learn that from somewhere. You're you're always learning. How should I view what confronts me in life? How should I view the opportunities that are in, are in front of me? Well, you're, you're instructed by something, and you have a view on it. And that, that's true in the topic we're, we're talking about tonight, relationships and dating. Right? Whether or not you've ever been in some sort of formal romantic relationship, you have thoughts about this. And my question is, 
where did those thoughts come from? And, and do you know where they came from? And do they reflect God's wisdom? Right? Well, I just want to raise two questions uh, for us to approach this from Proverbs tonight. The first is just, what is dating for? And then how should we then date? Um, so first, what is dating for? And, 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 and to raise that question, it's, it's like asking, why date? And that sounds odd, right? In today's culture, that, that's, not, that's not a question that people are, are raising. In, in, in fact, it's not even the kind of question that you are trained to ask by the culture around you. Because it's a question that has to do with purpose. And, and Proverbs, and we'll see this in a moment, Proverbs is all about what's the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? Wisdom raises that question, right? Uh, so often that is not a question we want. We don't want to know the answer to that because it just gets in the way, gets in the way of something that's immediate and fun, and exciting, and it's not the question that people are raising in, in, in this topic, right? Who asked that? You, you date because you want to. It feels good. It's nice to be known. It's nice to be accepted and, and loved, and so the world around us, is, it's making a case for how to approach relationships, how there to be a source of satisfaction and happiness in your life, and, and there's a lot, there's a lot that clouds the conversation, right? Around us today, the, there's this, this hookup culture that's very common that you probably experience with you know, your friends. You see them walk through uh, kind of friendship and, and relationship and, and dating relationship one after another, and, and it goes far, and it gets intimate, and then they kind of just move on to the, to the next person, and, and it seems like that's the, that's the normal approach that we should have to this, and, and, and don't think that doesn't affect us because you can be Christian and, and, and maybe you don't adopt the kind of real casual approach to sex that's in the hookup culture around us, but, but we can end up still doing the kind of the same version of this as the world just dialed back a couple of notches. So uh, what the book of Proverbs calls us to do in this and any other topic is to live with intentionality all right look at this proverbs 14 verse 15 the simple believes everything but the prudent gives thought to his steps right, the simple believes everything he's talking about somebody who's who's gullible right Life serves up some advertisement and some opportunity. And, and the person who's simple in Proverbs, they're kind of just open and available. That sounds good. That sounds like that would be great to include in my life. And, and, and you don't read the finer print. You don't check out, okay, what's underneath the surface of the land here. But the prudent, and again, that's a word we don't use, uh, but the, the, the discerning, the shrewd, the, the person who, I see past what's going on there. I'm not easily taken in, right? That kind of person, I think that's the kind of person we want to be, right? We don't want to be somebody who's duped in this life. That person gives thought to his steps. Right, here's, a, here's a question to raise about this and anything else. What are you doing? And why are you doing it? 
Now, do you ever ask yourself that? What am I doing? And, and when your parents, you know, they'll, they'll pull this out on you, right? They'll say, what are you doing? And, and what they mean really isn't, what are you doing? Like, they're trying to find out. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize, you know, wait, you're pouring all of the cereal onto the ground. Okay, now I know what you're doing. You know, they're asking, why are you doing it? What, what's going on here? Why do you do the things that you do? What's the reason? What's, what's the motive for this? Right? Proverbs 19 verse 2 says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When we don't live intentionally, we just do what feels good or makes sense to us, which means we, we end up, at the end of the day, all we're doing is just serving ourselves, right? The person I'm most looking out for here is me. And we might end up hurting other people in the process, and we might end up hurting, hurting ourselves in the process as well. And, and, and you, guys, you guys know this, right? You know that there's, there's more to dating and romantic relationships than comes initially advertised, right? Reality. There's heartbreak, there, there's confusion, there, there's this mood swing that, that feels like you are the most important person in my life to all of a sudden I feel like I hate you and I want to destroy you, right? There's a whole genre of breakup songs that are, that are dedicated to this, right? There are hookup songs and then the picture that they present of this is just real simple. They're, it's just there, uh, easy access and fun and then there are breakup songs that just dump a dose of reality onto all of this. And, and, and so we don't want to play with people casually because there's a lot at stake here, right? Uh, Proverbs causes us to, to raise the question, what is the end goal in what we are pursuing? You know, a lot of people talk about the, you know, hashtag relationship goals, right? That, that typically you find some couple that you want to be like someday, and they're really cute, and the way that he cares for her, well, you know, what they do, and the, how they have fun together, right? That, that's relationship goals right there, right? Well, what, what enters the conversation for relationship goals for you? Because, again, biblical wisdom it has a, a direction to it. There, there's a certain destination that, it, that it's looking for. Right, where's this heading? It's heading somewhere in particular. That's true in romantic relationships as well. And, and there's, one, there's one relationship in particular that Proverbs is constantly celebrating. Right? It is making a case that this is good, and it's making a case for you to want to include this in your future, right? What's that relationship? Well, Proverbs 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, don't be put off by that. The book of Proverbs, it's written as a father writing to his son, right? And so you could reverse all of these. He's just talking to his son, and he's saying, hey, hey, one day, if you get married and you find a wife, you're going to have God's favor in that. That, that, that represents the blessing of God. That, that's a good thing uh, for you to desire and for you to want to include in your future as well. But you could, you could reverse that and, and, you know, to a daughter, 
she who finds a husband finds a good thing as well and, and obtains favor from the Lord. And so the book of Proverbs and Song of Solomon, we, in our game earlier, right? And, and the Bible as a whole, it, it has a very positive viewpoint of passionate, romantic love, of all of the potentials, all of the fun and the affection that comes from this kind of relationship, but it locates it in a particular place, right? It has full form in the relationship in marriage. Proverbs uh, 5.19 talks about being always intoxicated in, in the love of your spouse, and, and Ray Ortland says this, the point is to be crazy in love together. That is the good and wise will of God. And this comes from ancient times when many marriages were arranged for economic and political purposes. But the Bible calls us to, be, to being head over heels in romantic love. Right? It's making a case that for probably for, for, for most people, this is a, this is a call of God in, in, their, in their lives. And it wants us to see it in that way. Now, what it doesn't say in that verse, right? How do you find her? If you find a wife, you go out hunting somewhere and somehow discover, all right, boom, here's a, here's a marriage relationship that's going to enter our world one day. It, it doesn't specify there, okay, so how do you get from where you are right now to that being your destination? But what it installs here is it installs that as the destination. It says romantic relationships and affectionate and intimacy, right? It, it has a place that it's looking to end up, and that's the place. The Bible doesn't say, okay, so that is, does that happen by arranged marriages? Uh, does that happen on eHarmony? Does that happen on Tinder, right? How do, you, how do you get there? But what it does do, right, and that, that, that informs us a little bit, right? Because if, if, you, if, you, if you use, right, nobody uses a concordance anymore because your, your Bible is searchable now. But if you pull down your app and you use the little you know, magnifying glass icon there and type in the word dating, uh, you're, you're not going to find it, right? It's not going to come up, uh, which puts it in perspective because maybe this isn't the be-all, end-all of existence that uh, we can make it and that our culture makes it. But what you do have in scripture is you have principles and you have parameters that help form the conversation for us, right? Uh, let's just introduce one more issue under, under this heading here, and that'll influence how we should approach this, right? So what kind of person should you marry or should you date? Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 4 says, an excellent Wife, or you could you could translate that just a wife of noble character, is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. <laughs> and then Proverbs thirty one thirty says, "Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised." And again, he's talking to his teenage son here, but. Ladies, you, you apply it to the, to, the, to the guy you're looking for here, right? The point is that uh, outward attractiveness, outward beauty, right, that matters, but that's one thing, and it's not the most important thing, right? Attraction is significant. You probably shouldn't 
marry somebody that uh, you're horribly unattracted to. It's like, you just make me gag, but I'm just in faith. We're going we're gonna to end up together, and it's going to be great, right? Uh, I don't think that's wisdom. I don't think that's a wise thing to do. Uh, but, it, but it's taking this category, and it's taking the one that's, you know, that, that's the highlight reel of all the songs in our culture, right? All the, the love songs and, and all of the hookup songs, Right, they're not you have a great personality songs, are they? Right, uh, they're, they're, they're all about physical attraction, her body, how he looks, and 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 look, this is this is training us how how to think about this. But that is that is one among many categories to consider, and it is not what's most important according to Proverbs. Right, and 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 talks about somebody who fears the Lord. And, and the Bible presents marriage. It's, it's the most intimate way that you can be united with any other individual, any other human person, right? It's the closest of all possible relationships. And so if, if, you, are, if you are united in faith to Jesus... And that's what's most significant about your life. And, you, and you're one with him, right? We, we are the body of Christ. We are united with him. The Bible says it, it doesn't make any sense for you to introduce into that union, into what's most important here in the most important human relationship, someone who in their heart is opposed to the Lord, right? Who's not united with Christ, who's clueless about the gospel. And so the Bible uses this language of not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Right? That, that informs something about, right, if, if that's where we're wanting, wanting to head, am I aiming at that in what I'm trying to arrive at in, in marriage? And so if, 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 if a girl is stunning, but she doesn't fear the Lord, then, then she doesn't qualify here, Right? If, if there's a guy who is Instagram fresh, he's somebody you, you, you wouldn't mind showing off to your friends and to the, all your followers. You, you kind of just want to be seen next to him there, but, but he doesn't care about Jesus. He, he doesn't care about the church. Right? That's not important to him. Right? How, how can you plan, how can you hope on one day sharing this most intimate relationship with him, if, if fundamentally he's not with you with what's most important in your life, assuming that's what's most important in your life and assuming you're in this because that's the direction that you're wanting to head, right? But being a believer is just, is just the bare minimum here, right? right? Uh, the, the Bible calls us to look for someone of, of maturity in their faith and and. You guys, maybe you see this, maybe you don't. But if you want to be married one day, here's the reality. You will walk through experiences that you have never planned for, that you would not have dreamed. You're going to suddenly encounter trials, right? conflicts, problems in your family, uh, really important life decisions that you're going to have to think through, and it's not clear. What, what do we do next? Do we move here? Do we buy this? Right? What are we going to do with our lives? And, and the two of you together 
are going to have to come to some sort of decision about that and some sort of leading. How do you do that? How do you answer those kinds of questions? How do you work through problems and fights that come up? What do you do when you have a miscarriage? Or when you start having children and they confuse you? And, and, and you don't know what to, you don't know, how, how do I care for them? How do I, how do I get to their heart, right? Uh, parenting, right? All of these things. You're going, to, you're going to want the person who is walking with you in those settings of life to have some maturity and some wisdom and, and some biblical convictions and how they think about these things because you will be walking through the rest of your life with them. And listen, I, I meet with people, I meet with people who, uh, they're married, and, and they married an unbeliever, right? They, they, there, was, there was excitement, things moved faster than they thought, and they, and they married, they, you know, maybe it's a, a woman who married a man, hoping, okay, well, I'm in love with him, and now I don't know what to do, and we've gone too far, and so we've gone forward with the wedding, and here we are, and, and hoping He's going to turn, he's going to know uh, Christ, and, and just it's been year after year of waiting for that to happen, and, and the Lord provides grace in those situations, and there's a whole lot of sorrow and confusion as well. And, and I counsel with people who are married, and they're both believers, but they, they're, they're, they're frustrated. Maybe one of them is, is just confused because the other one's just real spiritually apathetic, doesn't really show any initiative, doesn't really care to, to lead or to engage, doesn't have a lot of appetite for things the Lord, and, and they just feel like we, we, we're across from a gulf. There's a gulf in between each other, right? And, and, and so what, what Proverbs is installing here is it's, it's installing that principle of wisdom that says, all right, stop and think, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And where am I wanting to arrive? Because this is moving forward, and it's moving forward to a particular place. And is that the place that I want to be? Right? Uh, this informs not only who we should one day look for in a spouse, but uh, what kind of person we should be, right? We, we should strive to have uh, this kind of maturity, th this kind of, of inner beauty. I love this proverb. Proverbs 11.22 says, uh, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Right? Without discretion is, uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't have any discernment. She doesn't think or, or, or value what's right or what's wrong. Right? Uh, maybe in the category of, of modesty. Right? That, that's a word that, uh, that's just not a word that people are using today, is it? Right? And, and if they are, it kind of shows up as a joke. It shows up in the kind of the modest is the hottest after all, right? And, and so you kind of make fun of that along the way. But, but there's no sense that, that that actually matters. And that matters to the Lord. And that matters and influences the people around you. Well, the Bible is saying, if, if you don't have that then you don't have discretion and, and, and you might look good and you might be having a, an Instagram reel that's advertising who you are and your, and your features, but it, it's, it's like a, a gold ring and a pig snout there. That, that's what you're showing about yourself in this 
in this moment, right? Discretion has to do with doing the right thing, even when it's un unpopular, even when it's made fun of. And it is, it is, it is a value, and, and Proverbs calls it beautiful. All right, so if that's the case, if that's the purpose that informs all of that, then how should we then date, right? If marriage is the appropriate destination for this kind of relationship, and it's, it's really the only one that the Bible uh, approves of, that introduces uh, for us, then how should that influence how you date? Like Proverbs 24, verse 7 says, Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Right? Uh, and that, that's a principle there. It doesn't just have to do with literal houses. He's, he's talking about gather your stuff, know what you're planning to do, know that you have the right materials at hand, right? Know what the end goal is, and, and then set out to build something. And, and most teenagers, they, they, they enter relationships, and they don't have any idea what they're building because it's not really about that, Right? It's about what feels good now. It's about the fact that it's, it's really exciting for me to be unique and special in his life or in her life and to be something, to be an item, to be something that other people recognize. Yeah, they're together. They're, you know, he, he's your bae, right? You know, it's like you like it when people talk about you in that way. Um, it's serving something here and now. But what am I building? Um, I, don't really, I don't really know what's going on. So the, the principle that's here, though, is wait until you're ready. Wait, wait until you have the right tools, right? You're not ready to build a house if you don't own a plot of land, <laughs> if you don't have any blueprints, if you, if you don't have any power tools, right? That, that, that stuff is not in place there yet, uh, Song of Solomon uh, 8 verse 4 says, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And you know why? Not because love is something to avoid. Because love is supercharged. And it's amazing. And the Song of Solomon has a very high view of romantic love, of ultimately of covenant love. But, but love is charged and it, it wants to move forward, right? It, it, it's got momentum, right? It has, it has an accelerator pedal to it. And, and honestly, it wants to go all the way. And the Song of Solomon knows this. It knows that love is a powerful force and it celebrates it, but it also brings us the warning, right? Don't start what you can't finish. And can we just allow ourselves to be humbled by this? There are certain things, there, there are certain good things that we're not yet ready for. Right? Can you agree that when you were seven years old, you were not yet ready to be a parent? <laughs> um, you know, my, my, my daughter... You know, Piper is making the case. She's waiting for the day when Leo can kind of hold up his head 
on his own because her dream is to be able to just pick him up and like hold him on her hip and walk around the house with him, right? She, she's convinced, she's ready, and she's like, I'm four years old, you know? It's like, you are not doing that. Uh, uh, you're not ready to do that yet. And, and, and she's got arguments. That does not make sense to her. That seems like that would be really fun to, to be like an extra mom to the baby right now, but she's not ready for that yet. And, and, and we need to be told that in life. And we need to be okay with being told that sometimes, right? I was not ready on Sunday night. Right? I, I had a really interesting and terrible stomach virus last week through the weekend, and my family got it as well. Uh, some of those symptoms had subsided, and so we, we thought, all right, we're just going to go out and get smoothies for the whole family because, you know, that... Seems like that would be a good thing to do. Well, I, I typically order one smoothie in particular from Smoothie King, and it's the Strawberry Hulk. And I think it's got like a half gallon of, uh, of uh, pecan ice cream in it and turbinado and a lot of milk, as well as a little bit of strawberries thrown in there for nutrition. Um, and, and I, I you know, I, I, used, I used some discretion there. I only drank half of it. Can I tell you, I thought I was going to die that night. I spent most of that night in the bathroom just asking the Lord to take me now. It's, it's okay. I've fulfilled my calling. The time has come. Send down chariots of fire and let me leave this world. Right? Uh, that was a good thing. And my body was not ready for it yet. Right? It had not recovered enough to down a strawberry hulk. Right? Can you allow this to maybe be a category of life that you're not ready to experience, right? Uh, so how do you know, right? Uh, dating and marriage readiness, where, where does that come from? Well, one, one that's, a, that's a matter of character, okay? Um, the, the issues we've already described, right? The, both the kind of person you're, you're to look for and the kind of person you're to be. Uh, there's maturity in the Lord. There's a, a track record of, of diligence, of, of having a, a healthy spiritual appetite and a leadership that's showing up and growing in, in selflessness and sacrifice, right? If, if it's a constant argument in your home for you to take out the trash or for you to do your laundry, uh, you might not be ready for this yet because, you know, relationships like this, it is one sacrifice after another, right? It's, it's, it's just deciding you're going to matter right now and I'm going to live to serve you and that's going to overcome my preferences and what I would like to do in this moment. Or if that's a constant challenge for you, that's a character issue the Lord wants to work on in you before the day that he wants to introduce the complication of somebody else in your life to have to relate to. Uh, but, but dating and marriage readiness is also about time, right? Uh, if you view them as connected in that way. Now, if you don't, if there's no purpose for dating, if it doesn't exist for any particular reason, then, then there, would, there would, wouldn't be any sort of time factor involved, but I just push back on you again. Uh, where'd you get that idea from? And, 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 and does it come from the Bible? Does it come from God's wisdom? But, but I've heard 
you know, just relating with teenagers over the years, they get that, right? They, they, get the, they get the principle that's there. And so kind of they make their own argument for that. And so they, they say, yeah, we're, you know, we're dating for marriage one day. And, and, they're, and they're 14, right? Uh, that's a long time before that's going to arrive there. And so how, how far off is marriage from the conversation in your life? in terms of maturity, in terms of finances, in terms of education, right? That, that should influence how you approach dating. But because here, here's just the reality, all right? Um, you can only go so far and last so long before you end up frustrated and really tempted because that's kind of how God has designed this to operate in our lives. And, and so somebody who's, who's viewing, okay, it's you and me forever. We just have to get there in, in seven years, right? Now, that might be the story, but I don't think that we should plan for that to be our story because chances are it's, it's not going to be helpful, and, and it's going to pose all sorts of temptations and probably regrets because things move forward. All right, so here's just the case I want to make for you, um, right? It, I know being friend-zoned, it's like, that's like exile, right? <laughs> um, I just want to make the case that for this time in your life, that's not a bad thing, right? It's not wrong for there to be affections for, for the opposite sex and there to be guys that you like or a particular girl that you like and, and, and you're aware of that and maybe they know about that, right? That, that's in you and that's there. And, and, and there's an element of that, 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 you know, that's not in our control. We just kind of discover, all right, you, you make me feel differently than everybody else does. And, and that's exciting and, and, I, and I like that. Um, Great. Let, let's let's continue to be friends, right? Let's let's continue to to, to build a, a community here uh, without that needing to be uh, a major distraction or or some sort of uh, fate worse than death, right? Uh, if you cannot live, if you cannot live without a relationship or without dating or without the ability to say you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you can't live without that then you're not ready for that. Because let me just tell you, you bring that into that kind of relationship and, and, and you are going to crush the other person because they have become everything. They have become life itself. And you're going to be quickly disappointed or you're going to become quickly angry. Right? Are they, are they going to feel like, I just, I just can't handle what's going on for you right now because you feel controlling and weird, right? Uh, problems get created when, when this becomes out of place in our lives. And listen, if there are things other than the Lord that at the end of the day we, we cannot live without, they're in the wrong place in our lives. Uh, Marshall Siegel says, we all want our hearts to soar for someone or something. The romance and mystery of marriage seems to hold the highest earthly peaks of pleasure and friendship. We long to be known and loved, 
to belong with someone in someone else's story. And, and that's good, right? That's not wrong. God made you want that on some level, right? We also want someone to join us in ours. And we all want our lives to count for something. We want to contribute something significant to a meaningful cause. We want to make a difference. We don't want to waste our lives. Many of us date because we're trying to fill those needs in love. If you asked us, we might say we're pursuing marriage, but a lot of us aren't even close to marriage. In age, finances, maturity, education, stage of life, we're really in pursuit of the happiness, belonging, and significance we think we'll find in romance. Right, you see the problem, right? That is not designed to fulfill that for you, and if you think that it will, you're just setting yourself up to fall. All right, so related to that final point here and how we should approach uh, any uh, future or present dating relationships is that we should guard our heart and the uh, heart of the, of the other person. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Right, you know that the heart is powerful. When there's something in your heart and when there's someone who's entered your heart in a special way, right? They're, they're capturing your, your thoughts, you're planning around that, you're making sure that you're in the same place and the same time as her. You want to make sure you're there and, and he's there if everybody else is there, right? If you're asking, all right, who, who's going to be there? But you're not worried about everybody else. You're just, there's one particular person that you want to make sure that they're present because you're planning life around that. And the Bible recognizes that the heart it's the motivation center for everything that we do, right? Everything we do in relation to the Lord, in relation to other people, how we engage life, we, we do that out of desires of the heart. People do what they do because there's something in their heart to do that. That's why Jesus says, out of, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, which is why you can't ever say, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, no, you wish you didn't say that, but it was in your heart, and so it all of a sudden came out, right? It was there, and now it has come on the outside. But that's why, recognizing that, the Bible is saying, hey, the heart, that's powerful right there. And that's why it needs protection. Because it's your affections. It's your heart that God is after. And that is the reason why you should want to obey God, want to pursue holiness. Right? The Bible doesn't present that as like, hey, here are this list of things to add to your life. It's like, you know, nutrition facts. Make sure you're eating these supplements and, and that sort of thing. That's not how the Bible views holiness. The Bible views it in such a way that there would be affection in your heart. There would be an allegiance toward God that compels you to live in a way that's pleasing to Him and to do the right thing. But what if, what if there are other things that have that territory? What if there are other people that have that allegiance. Well, that's, that's going to compete with there being this sense of God is my hope and there is worship that is overflowing 
in my life. Now, I'm not saying that these things are absolutely mutually exclusive, right? Because I'm called to love my wife from the heart and to love the Lord, but for those to have their proper place and for me to love her ultimately as a way of loving him. But typically, if we're fighting for something that's outside of God's wisdom and boundaries, it's not because we're, we're looking to it as just another way to love God. We're looking to it in some way as a replacement for God. And, and that's something that we need to be careful. And, and so if, if, if there's somebody that you like, if there's somebody um, maybe that you're in some sort of relationship with or, or dating, um, raise this question, right? Are you interested in protecting that person's heart for the Lord? Or are you most interested in making sure that you've got their heart and that you are served in this, right? Um, you know, whenever, whenever the Lord leads you to move forward in, in this category and, and you feel like marriage is on the horizon, that, that's still an important part of the conversation. Um, you know, there, there was a point in my relationship with, with Rebecca. We started dating in, in college. And so when, when we started dating, it was feasible. We, we, could, we could actually get married and make this work out. But there was a, we dated for several years in college before we got married. Um, but there was, there was a point in our relationship because it just was like, from the beginning, I'm convinced she's the one. And uh, it's just a matter of time for her to get in line with that and, and come to understand that. And, and uh, I kind of did that to her uh, since I was 16. So I'm not saying that I've done well in this category at all. Uh, but uh, at, at some point, uh, she had to tell me, you know what, I, f I feel like I'm just kind of riding on the coattails of your certainty that this is the right thing, that this is God's will. Because I hadn't allowed enough space for this to be something where we can actually discover, is this the will of the Lord for us? Because if, if all of the spaces are full, and it's just full, with we're in one another's world, and all our time is spent together, and our hearts are full of, of one another, and this is supposed to be a time for us to discover, right, is this right for us from the Lord uh, I've not allowed there to be any air in the room for that to happen. So I had to back off and say, okay, I've, I've not actually valued this enough. So I, I'm, I'm just seeking to send some of this with you into your future. Listen, um, there are things that I learned when I was 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 18. Right? There are things that I learned in those years that shaped and influenced how I ended up getting married, right? And, and I believe that can be true for you as well. Uh, part of guarding heart is, is establishing boundaries, boundaries in terms of um, emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. Right, uh, one, one is kind of designed to lead to the other. And, and physical intimacy, it's, it's kind of designed for one step to lead to the next step. Because again, that's how God made it to happen. And, and so if, if we don't have any thought or conversation or boundaries for that, you will always go, right? Can I just make, make a bet on this? Uh, you will always go further 
with someone than you initially thought you would. Unless there's some sort of clarity and some sort of boundaries that are established from the beginning. The book of Proverbs calls for us to, to flee from sexual temptation. Proverbs 6 Verse 27 says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Right? That, that's a sobering picture. Because fire can feel good. But it, 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 it catches other things on fire. Right? There, there are consequences and there are results that come from that. And so be sobered, be warned here. Ray Ortland uh, says, The offer of sin with no regret is how Satan lied to us in the Garden of Eden. When, not if, not if, a man or woman tempts you with the assurance that no one will ever know that person is really saying to you, God does not exist. And listen, I, I know you, I know several of you have been in this exact situation. Right? There's an invitation to take things further, further than God allows and is within his will for your life. And there will be a voice inside of you that says, no one's going to know. And, and we can maintain secrets here. Um, there's a real God who exists. And one way or the other, that, that's going to come to the light. And so here, here, this is a wise father. He's taking his son next to him. And he's saying, look, you're going to face these temptations. Be ready for them. And, and hear my voice in that moment. You're going to get burned. And so in this and any of these issues, what well, we need to be convinced, and, and, and look, there's, there's grace from the Lord and forgiveness and healing. And so if you've sinned in, in this area, right, God's hope is not for you to just land in shame and regret. Right? The, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses you and makes you whole and makes you pure. And, and, and reestablishes who you are in him. But that happens as you, as you repent and as you determine, we're going we're gonna to walk in a way that is right. But that's going to happen as I'm convinced and my heart is convinced that he is worth it. Right? That he is, as we sang earlier, he's, he's the king of of wonders, and the more we see him, the more we love him, and therefore, we, the more we want our lives to please him. Let me just raise that for you. Do, do, you, feel, do you feel in your heart wonder toward God? Is there amazement? Is there something that's compelling and something that's adventurous and, and, and he's someone that you want to pursue and want to know and you're, you're amazed that he would care about you, that he would gather you into relationship with him, that the, the most important relationship is available to you because 
Jesus died and he was abandoned and he was left lonely and he lived a single life and an abandoned death and rose again to bring you mystery of mysteries into relationship with God, right? Does that stun you? Is there any song in your heart? When we were singing a little while ago, because if, if that feels kind of boring and familiar and just a phrase, chances are there, there's somewhere in the guarding your heart category that needs attention. Because I've let somebody else or something else or some other opportunity to have territory that's designed to belong to God and God alone. John Piper says, God is not a killjoy. He just opposes what kills joy, right? He's after your joy. He's after you being really happy right now and, and really happy in your future. If that includes singleness one day or marriage one day, that he would be your joy and so he graciously says, let me give you something called a wisdom. Let's look at the territory ahead of time. Let's see what, what's there. Let's see what's, what's an opportunity that I'm sending you into. And let, let's see the dangers that I want you to avoid because I'm leading you to be satisfied forever in me. Right? So let's pray. Let's allow the Lord to convince us of this. And, and, and my hope in this is just, this just to establish some principles to help you think I don't know what uh, the conversation's been like in maybe some of your homes or with your folks about this topic. There's some questions that are there at the back of your notes, and there's a couple of articles I, I gave you. Uh, I, I would encourage you, if you feel like, I'm not sure I understand or agree with everything you said tonight, uh, take a look at those, and, and let's talk more about it. I'd love to have a follow-up conversation about that. Uh, and for, for any of the parents to talk further about this. But uh, my hope is that most of all, however we approach this, we, we do it out of a sense that God has our hearts. All right, let's pray. Lord, if the more we see you, the more we love you, if that's how it works, help us to see you. Lord, help us to stand again with an expanded vision of who you are, your claim on our lives, the wonder that we are yours, and would that grip our hearts, and would it have us in a way that we don't, we don't allow for any counterfeits, we don't want any cheap substitutes or alternatives, and that would lead us into your wisdom in everything that we do in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friday night, 7 o'clock, meet at the food court in Lakeside Mall. All right.